0: up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. And welcome back to episode 5 of U2Y, discussing album number 4 for U2, which was, of course, The Unforgettable Fire. There's quite an interesting story surrounding the creation of this sleeve. A last-minute change of plan led to a very intense experience for everyone involved. And we dive into this, of course, with Steve Averill, U2's graphic designer for over 40 years. So we are going to go back now to 1984. This is the unforgettable fire. So 1984, the unforgettable fire. I I see this as the beginning of the maybe the next triptych with um, Boy October and War being its own little trilogy, and not to not to forget to mention from the from the get go that this is the connection with the U2's spiritual and textural gurus or advisors in the form of you know and Lanwa like being a huge yeah a huge change in the traje- trajectory and that obviously I think feeds back into the the artwork to a certain degree and I've mentioned that in previous episodes the, how the the music starts to the texture starts to evolve and the texture of the artwork starts to follow it or or vice versa um yeah. but let's let's go back early 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 day one if you could just give me a sense of where you were at that time and were you working with other bands at this time because i think the first three albums kind of defined the early stages of your career and you you didn't work solely for for you two so i assume in between albums and in between jobs you were you were working for other bands and if you could just paint a picture of 1984
1: for us yeah well i think again uh, without going back and checking checking books and notes and things like that i was still the first three albums were all done uh when i was working in the advertising agency yeah so uh they they were all uh, i think the first two were kind of done outside of working hours and i think boy was done as a part of the um a project for the for the agency you know i would they were getting paid rather than me to do the do the project uh unforgettable fire um i'm not sure i need to check but i i have a feeling we began to move towards um uh doing separate uh design projects at that point um and so we took it on as as a a project but i mean the backstory to the unforgettable fire was um essentially i think i mentioned this before uh paul McGuinness gave me a call and said um the island records had been pressurizing him for quite a while to do the next album cover and uh he kind of said to me well what do you think do you mind if they do it and i said well i don't really have a say in this paul i can't say yes or you know i can't say no i do mind and uh but he's you know he said well they really kind of you know want to do it so i said fine i I can't change that decision Uh, go ahead and 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 see what they come up with um and i thought that was really the end of it for that particular project
0: Um, so just to to take that back to where we were previously where you had problems with uh problems is maybe is maybe the wrong word but there was you know a clearly a a tension between the ban and the management and that there was a um a solidarity forming amongst yourself, uh, Paul, the band um, to say, no, we're 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 going to have the first and last say on these things, um, which led. Well, to- I I
1: think I think con- contractually they, they that's what they had in their contract. They had yeah. the rights to to deliver. They, they had the right to deliver the artwork and the finished masters. That was what the deal Was for them that Paul had negotiated, so the rec company really had to take what they gave, but they were still in a position to pressurize them and say, "Well, you know, if you want this and you want this promotion, we gotta." Yeah, so
0: considering the bigger picture as well, and and we we will get to this obviously, but of course, Unforgettable Fire has has um, its own controversy surrounding its its cover artwork, um, which we'll get into in detail as we as we um, move down the timeline. Uh, But it seems like it it does seem to me slightly strange after going through what you guys went through on October and then coming through that into war, which was, I think, a very successful cover. Um, And I'm just trying to, as as you're telling me this now, I'm just trying to maybe surmise some kind of um, conclusion here that maybe what they saw in war was... Someone who is repeating old tricks, or I'm talking about the label now. The label are going, oh, he's he's just repeating his old tricks. Um, we need something, you know, typical typical la- label, um, jargon. Like we need something fresh. We need a new, a new vision on this. I'm just wondering, did you did you get a sense of w- w- why that was? And and also then the question would be, uh, I mean, obviously, it seems like Paul was trying to be devil's advocate here, and I think it's very respectful to come to you and say, what do you think here, Steve? Um, it's very admirable thing, as hard as I'm, as I'm sure it was for you to, to reckon with, and ultimately then maybe subconsciously or consciously think, well, this is the end.
1: Yeah, well, it to a degree, I, I agree with that stance, but um, War had won the Music Week Award for the best album cover at that stage so they couldn't really in any way come back and say um this the work was substandard or wasn't effective enough because it you know it was highly high both boy and war were, were
0: yeah very high I profile. mean I think I think just to just to, yeah I don't I wouldn't say that it was necessarily due to its reception or the accolades I just think it's if it's just like itch you know itchy fingered um record label executives always like kind of turn over and fresh and new and these buzz, buzzwords and you know uh, so I I'm just maybe drawing the conclusion that regardless of the success of the album, that they just felt it was time for a change.
1: Yeah, well, I'm not sure if it's time for a change. I think it's simply because the the, the, the art department there, which I'm, I'm not going to in any way put down, they they, they produce some excellent work. Uh, Island Art was one of the best in-house art departments that was around and did some great work. Um, and also record companies, from my experience over the years, um, do their utmost to break up any relationship between a design studio and a band that's outside of their control. Record companies are very controlling as to what they, you know, what what they can do or say or what happens with, with it, and we've had situations where, uh, in another band, where the where the the band, the management, and the A and R guy all love to cover, but the the marketing department didn't like it. They didn't have a picture of the band on the front, and they wanted that changed because marketing can become down to clo- lo- you know lowest common denominator in terms of of what it is. You know, I mean, everything is even today. Everything now is based around a single image, and it's repeated over and over and over again. Whereas you know people like Barney Bubbles and you know Barney Bubbles doing that series of of ads for Elvis Costello, where he printed a poster and each one one quarter of the poster was in different magazine. You know, one was in Record Mirror, one was in Sounds, one was in Disc, one was in Melody Maker. Um, that kind of thinking, that kind of like abstract thinking, let's, let's. the audience aren't stupid, let, let's give them something to, to play with, was very much not the way the rec companies were thinking. But anyway, the, the, the rec company had, I think from day one, because they were, not, they were an act signed to Island, and the fact that Island art weren't doing the work was a kind of an issue. No matter how good or bad the covers would have been, they still would have been pressurising the band to do a, a cover design.
0: Sure. Um, yeah. Uh, it, it, and it seems like I i, I was going to say that they're still they, they still haven't quite ascended to the heights that they would ascend to um, no. as much as war was a relatively successful release. I believe it spent something like seven weeks in the top 10 UK charts and had success all over the world and was a break, a breakthrough record for them. But they were still obviously... In a kind of an embryonic, slightly powerless stage, they I think they drew these battle lines, saying we're gonna we're gonna have first and last say on this stuff, but they hadn't quite achieved the power to execute that does that wish yet. Of course, that would all change by by the Joshua Tree, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So I just find it an, it's just an interesting part of, of of the story, I guess, that ultimately I think leads to the controversy because of. Well, because of what happened and the, the, the timeline of the project being so ultimately truncated for you, which we'll get to. Um, but I'm just wondering, then you say to me, uh, you felt like that could have been the end of your your tenure with you two. Did you?
1: Um, did, did, no, I, I don't think it would have been the end no. of the tenure. I think they would have carried on working on, on merchandising and, and other... Bits and pieces because they okay. so they sort of controlled us, but it could easily have been the end of my, of my um, working with them on album covers.
0: Yeah. Did you feel at that time? I mean, the conversation that you said you had with Paul. Did you say to him, "You know where to find me"?
1: Uh, not in that sense. I mean, uh-huh. it was it was kind of underwritten. It was it was. Uh, yeah unstated that they knew where I was and they knew and and as Paul had said you know there's a lot of what we do needs to be done quickly and needs to be done with the band around whereas that direct relationship wasn't going to happen with uh, the UK although having said that um uh, a company called Acme were doing the merchandising um and, uh, you know, we're taking what I had done on, on the first three albums and turning them into, into t-shirt designs. And it wasn't until much later on. And again, no direct connection. I, I was at a, something, uh, some do in London anyway. And, and, uh, Paul introduced me to a guy called Chris Parks and uh, who was running Acme, the design company. And he was said, he was said, oh, great. You know, we, we always wondered where you were, who you were or whatever. We're going we want to start working with you on, 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 on all the t-shirt designs because the. The tour programme for, for, I think, around that time was done by uh, people who worked in island art, um, wrote, wrote it and so on. So they were delighted to make that connection and started to to work with me on, on the merchandising pieces at that point. But there was no link. It wasn't like somebody in the band or somebody in the label said, here's the guy that does this, you need to talk to them. It was simply a, a, just almost a chance meeting at a, a party that, that sort of set that whole thing up to work together.
0: So that makes me feel that maybe now i again i'm completely just uh filling in my own blanks here but i, I just wonder just based on the kind of savvy uh businessman that paul w- was at the time i wonder was he kind of maybe even t- sort of doubling down on on the situation and going okay you guys can have have your go and maybe that he kind of assumed that it wouldn't work um which ultimately was the case i suppose um again i'm just i'm just completely kind of making up the story sound a bit more dramatic or or um, exotic than it needs to be, but yeah. Well, I mean,
1: the, the ultimate, the ultimate, the story was um, to carry it forward is 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 Island Records, where Island Art, I should say, were to present to the band uh, some ideas that they'd come up with. Now, the title was 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 kind of agreed. Um, it was the unforgettable fire that I was told was was going to be the title, and this is what the record company was working towards. Um, and I suppose the good thing was uh, Paul. Uh, being gracious again said would you come down to uh, the meeting when these guys are over presenting um, their ideas to the band and I was a little bit reluctant to sort of stand there in the corner and sort of say well you know what am I going to say you know I mean but anyway I did I went down to the meeting in Paul's office which which I think in those days was down in Wimbledon Studios the old Wimbledon Studios so I went down to the office Uh, I sort of stood very much out uh, at the back of the room, just sort of having a listen, and the the guys presented these 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 ideas to them and talked about them and and literally um while the meeting was going on, maybe fifteen minutes into the meeting uh Paul tapped me on the shoulder and said and, and indicated to come out of the room, so I went out with him and he just turned to me and said, "How quickly can you have an album cover for us
0: um, wow,
1: so uh, he just—I think—they realised that although what they what they were looking at was superbly designed, it was totally unsuitable for for you two. It was yeah. just simply a really good design for an album cover called "Under Fire." I think one or two—one of the covers I remember was a sort of an overview, an, an aerial map, so like a Google map of Hiroshima and and a target on the front of it.
0: Um, so well, on that point then Just just to, to pull the, the, the album title Into the conversation um, I believe it was an art exhibition
1: It was an exhibition that was he- held I, In uh, Nagasaki and, uh, and Hiroshima I think uh, it was an art exhibition With people's drawings And remem- rem- remem- reminisces of uh, th- that awful event So yeah that was what, what, it, what it was So I was just go away And come back the next day With some ideas for an album cover
0: Okay, so that's 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 further set the kind of scene, shall we say? And you've had this um this dropped on you. What was the timeline like at that stage? How close was the album to being released? And how like how long did you literally have to 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 realize this? Well, I would
1: say very little. Uh, you two have never delivered um, an album cover or music on the day. I knew it was it was ex- extremely close to the actual time when artwork was was to be delivered, uh, although maybe probably a month or two months away from from w- when we had to deliver
0: everything. Well, because it seems like if I'm charting the time correctly here, the album was released on the first of October '84, and. Yeah. Uh, the band went into slain castle to begin recording um now I'm sure there was pre pre-production and before that but it says the band arrived in slain on seventh of may so that's a that's a very short um turnaround so i i wonder can you remember the month even that you were were you, were you in september here were you in august or
1: well, we were somewhere in yeah, we were somewhere around August. I think again, I could check diaries and and, and look back and and see um, and and check the time that anton anton's book will probably have the exact dates because anton was kind of quite good at keeping yeah the dates. there was
0: obviously the the, the, the the shoot the shoot surrounding that which we, which we can get yeah. to but uh, yeah. was there was there an, a counter argument then like so Paul takes you aside. And and obviously, as you said, it was basically in the contract that it's up to them at the end end of the day. So they've gone through this process. Uh, you are at you are you are to the wire on on the time. Paul takes you aside. What, what, like, well, how did how was this decision received by by um, the label? And what was uh, the, I? I don't think it? they
1: knew about it. I think okay. in the same way. I think that Paul talking to me outside of the meeting. Uh, I think they had these. Um, offers on the table. I think they left them on the table um, and they said, Yeah, we certainly think about this and get back to you and so on. So I don't think they sort of more or less, the label knew right there and then that, you know, the ideas hadn't been received very, very well. They probably sensed it. But anyway, that, that you know, I, I wasn't aware of any conflict there immediately. I just knew that I had to go away, sit down, um, think very quickly. About my ideas, what I would possibly do um and how I would react to it and then come up with some kind of um do, do you think
0: that 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 paul had uh i mean it's also sorry it, it is it is funny that we talk about paul here um without talking about the band were you were you mostly in in, in conversation with Paul at this point um at this
1: point until yeah. i until I could come up with something um to present to them?
0: And on that point then, uh, did, did Paul give you the impression that, okay, this is what the label has given us. That's, that's there one way or another, but I'm going to turn to you and see what you come up with. And, and did, did was there any, in, in, did he infer that, you know, if you can't do this or it doesn't work, we we have this, you know, less than desire, less than desirable cover we can, we can turn to, or was it, it's up to you now?
1: Uh, it was more it's up to you now but basically i think that they had um i come up with something that was not suitable or they didn't like um i don't think they would have gone with what the record company had delivered i think they
0: they may have decided to go somewhere else to to yeah. get another designer involved or whatever well there's a big there's a big vote of confidence there to say i think that there was a trust there was a belief that you understood the band what they sounded like what they should how they should look how it should look how it should feel more than anyone else and the, yeah. belief, the belief that that would work even though i'm sure that that paul and the band were aware of the pressure put on yourself to to realize this because that's let's let, you know let's not forget that this album is such a step forward for the band um songwriting sonically everything just leaps forward on this record i believe and i think that um there is a big big vote of confidence there to say that we will believe that this is the person to do this.
1: No, no, I, I, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure that there was, that the relationship had built up working with them. And as I said, I think in, 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 in an earlier episode, you know, I had gone to them and I helped them out in the early days with posters and things like that. And, and, and I had, the commitment was made. I said, whatever you wanted, whatever happens, I say, I would love to do the first, first album cover because that was really my goal as a designer was to work in, in, that, in, that, in that arena. So they had said to me that, that the, at a very early stage, yes, we, 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 we'll get you to do the first album cover. But if we don't like what you do, we reserve the right to go elsewhere. So yeah. that that. Was there as a as a kind of rule? You you could never, I could never fall back on that and say, "Well, I'm going to get the next album cover with it, when no matter what happens." So you had to prove yourself to them and to and to and to everybody. And the fact that the previous albums, some of the previous albums had, as I say, "Boy in War" had gone down extremely well with, with in, in yeah. even in the design terms and with the audience. That would, that was in itself a little bit of a vote of confidence. But when we came to this, uh, I went away and I thought about the title, and I somewhere made a connection that um, what has been affected by fire, that's unforgettable in many ways. And I thought about the idea of um, a, a large house, castle, whatever, that had been burnt and had become something different by the fire. The fire had turned it into something quite a different thing. And I thought about the many Irish castles that were burnt in the 1920s and and, and stately homes and they were called castles and things like that and how they'd become sort of structurally um, different and almost sculptural by the fact that they had been destroyed uh, to create something else. And that was the train of thought that I went. And I was aware I had been a fan of a book um, by a photographer called Simon Marsden called uh, In Ruins. That and several other books on on, on, on Irish ar- architecture were things that I went into and, and, and sought out. And I went through the book and I, and I kind of made some selections and I went and I mocked up a cover using a, a an image and I went down and, and I showed it to the band and explained my ideas and how it possibly would look. And even from the early versions of the cover, the cinematic idea had come... Uh, was to me hearing the music that that, that they were doing. With, so with yeah, that my, was
0: my 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 next question was, had you heard the, rec- the record or works? And no,
1: I hadn't heard the record, but I had heard bits and pieces. I had yeah. heard, and it was the first U2 album that I saw this as a different direction. And I, I saw the involvement of Lanois and Eno as something quite special because I had been a fan of Brian Eno and had, in fact, early on suggested that they use Brian Eno as a producer. Um, much more at a very, very early stage when they when we had met and talked about possible producers, um, yeah. and I think it was a left it was a left field suggestion to them. And I kind of made my case why he, I thought he would be a good good producer. Now at that time I didn't know anything about Daniel Lanois and and his uh, role with with Brian as as, as a co producer and so on. But it was just a suggestion I, I made to them, um, and they eventually sort of went to see you know and talked him into it, and he did he did the work, but. Um, it it to me sonically and everything else. This was a new stage. This was a direction that that was you know a, it was a new trilogy, a new a new format to go to go with. And I wanted the cover to be slightly more abstract than it had been. There was even talk of 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 sort of an ECM type cover, as we did later on with with um, when we started doing the Joshua Tree, just sort of slightly more abstract things. So we talked about a lot of uh, things like that as as possibilities. So. When the idea was taken up uh, that the band agreed with the idea and liked it, we talked about who we could possibly um, use uh, as a photographer now uh, subsequently um, the connection with the Simon Marston book was one that became to bite us uh, in the back because um
0: well let's just let's so let's just address that now and, and and we can maybe come back to it, but let's just point it out for anyone who doesn't know that there was a problem with the image that Anton shot, well, and we'll talk about Anton in a moment as well. But the image that ended up on the cover is 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 very similar to an image from Simon Morrison's book, um, and the, the similarities are are uh, heightened because of the the infrared film uh, and the general framing of the shot. And there was an agreement made behind the scenes um, to, to 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 settle this problem. I suppose you could say.
1: Well, I mean, the the, the basic story was, um, I um, was able to get hold of Simon Marsden's phone number, and I rang Simon Marsden, and I explained to him the situation that we had used his book as a template for what we were trying to do. We had, in fact, the weekend the weekend prior to the to to the to the photography, we had Anton, myself, and one of U two's crew, Steve Erdale, Drove us around, uh, and we visited, probably from Dublin across and down. We visited as many castles on that were in books or on, in 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 Ordnance Survey maps as we could, and it became very apparent to us in in a very short time that the castles that were featured in Simon Marson's book, as a photographer, were far more photogenic than the other ones we found somewhere in you know there were castle listen it was in a farmer's yard or it was all piled with hay or there was you know there was a lot of things that weren't suitable or it was just a wall it wasn't really anything so the ones that 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 made sense to us um visually were similar to the ones that were photographed by Simon Morrison um so i had made that call to him and said look um we have used your book and think if we wanted simply to use one of your images i would do a deal with you for one of your images but this photo shoot it has to encompass all the other ph- photographic uses that we need so, you know press shots uh, tour program shots uh, individual shots the whole gamut of what we do it's not just simply about a picture of a castle it's a it's a castle with people in it and those these particular people as a band within that landscape and he said to me he that's fine he didn't um photograph people it wasn't his you know his his forte his several books which are excellent books uh uh, that he's put out all used infrared and all used stories of ghost stories and things like that Mm -hmm. uh, as a backdrop but there's no people in them um yeah. And uh, he accepted that, and uh, you know, he said he had he had actually done some work for uh, some record companies in the past, and, and wasn't very pleased with the results of it. Mm-hmm. So he was he was happy to do to do that. Um, happy the, to
0: do what now? Happy to let, happy to st-
1: let us go ahead and do yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, I think that I had talked with Anton as well, and the band had really loved the infrared. Feel and Anton was willing to to experiment with infrared because he hadn't really done that uh, as an element. Now the the one regret, the big mistake I made, uh, probably was that I put his name forward uh, for the credits to say, you know with thanks to Simon Marsden's work Within, within Ruins. That, for some reason, and, and it's my fault in a way, never made the final credits. Maybe the band didn't yeah. want to put it in, I don't know. But okay. it wasn't on the final list of, of, of credits that went into the album. And at that stage, I was moving so fast to get this artwork done. I didn't realise that that credit wasn't included. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the result was, the album came out, there was posters around London with the album cover, on it, and people were ringing Simon Mars and saying, "Oh, congratulations on 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 y- your work being used on on you know a YouTube cover." So he got sort of knocked by this because all these people telling him this. So he eventually uh, started to write the paper magazines like Crate review and say oh you know this is my cover and this is their cover and you know it's taken my you know so it became an issue and i think anton was quite sort of aggrieved by that because you know he is an artist in his own right and wouldn't have set out to to copy anybody else so um i suppose the big issue was that the photograph that really had the power that we wanted was the same location as the cover of of his book um, and also the angle is very similar. But if you go to that location, uh, as Anton said afterwards, uh, and look at the profile of the castle, if you move further around, either way, you get none of that ma- majesty of, of, of the cover. It's only a single wall. So if you move too far around, you just get a single wall and it looks, it looks pretty awful. So, um, you know, the, and, and at the time of photographing it, that wasn't necessarily going to be the cover. That was simply going to be one of the shots that, that we had taken.
0: Yeah. I think I think it's a, it's it's an interesting conundrum here. It's a slippery slope to a certain degree, and I and I think with with respect to Simon, he wasn't wrong to be aggrieved, and perhaps this would have just been cured by having the accreditation in the in the releases. I also agree with you that that there are certain things that have a have a you know two people can come and take a picture of the same person and. They're gonna have the same kind of feel, depending on the conditions, depending on the, the the vibe or whatever. Or they can be very different, depending on the vibe. But there is just there's a, there's an unfortunate storm of consequence here, which is I think heightened by the speed at which you have to turn this around and the pressure being put on to deliver. And I and I and I, it it's also to me it is interesting because it's not as it's not as though you you got a photographer for hire a running gun photographer went out and kind of replicated it. Like, I mean, you took Anton Corbin out and did this. Um, yes. And it looks like an Anton Corbin photograph um, ultimately. And he would, knowing him as 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 well or well not as I do, like, he would be the last person to step into someone else's shoes and try and um, mock something or, or replicate no of course
1: it. not and that's why i think he was quite hurt by some of the criticism i mean and it was ill-founded i mean i mean i would have been quite happy if simon Morrison turned around to me and said i will do the entire shoot of the band we would have tried it i think we would have gone out and
0: yeah and, 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 and i think that if you look at the, uh, all of the other photography from that shoot from that i mean not just the location but there's a huge um body of work from that that time is as, as short and truncated as your time was like this even just from that i guess the same day around the castle yes. um you know they're distinctly anton it's just it is a sort of unfortunate thing that 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 this image i mean it, this happens in different industries where where something is is let's say yeah. t- temp- temporarily used and uh, there is a little bit of um of attachment that grows to those things i mean i experience it in, in film work where someone uses a pre-existing piece of music and people have what you call temple of where they're they find it very hard to get away from from the original reference track and i and i do imagine that there probably was a, a, an element of that like you had probably mocked it up so well that i'm sure you know, I, I have everything else considered that we just said that i'm sure there was a little bit of of it had already set itself in your DNA, in the DNA of, of the cover. And yeah, I mean,
1: the interesting thing was I did get um, a call uh, at one point from a, another photographer who, who I actually can't remember who was, but just a guy rang me out of the blue and said he was a person who had photographed lots of locations and castles around. And he said, I photographed that castle and I photographed it from exactly the same angle. Um, he said it because was the only one he, I agree with you and he said to me well that's like somebody saying uh, one person has photographed the Eiffel Tower and therefore nobody else can take it because I photographed it uh, in a particular way so um, but it is more singular than that it, it is a particular a particular place and of course he the other photographer hadn't used infrared um, true and if and we I, had, I think if we hadn't used infrared it might have been different I don't know
0: possibly but I also think in again to draw a, a conclusion in, in another industry if you if you approach an, art, an artist and you want to sample their work for your music track and they and you say can we use your drum beat for our hip-hop track and the artist says no and then you go and you basically replicate it it changes the the, the you know the, the feel a bit because it's like well your intentions were, were quite clear um you didn't get what you wanted and now you have to go and do it do it do it um your your way so it's it's it it says a lot that you had the respect to approach him first and not just go. Oh, we don't have time. Let's just get Anton and let's just do it. I think that would have been again a, a, a yeah. more a, a, a grievous. Yeah, and it's situation.
1: unfortunate um, because uh, I I did try and talk to him later on and and he didn't respond. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a difficult thing. But Simon's books are are, are as I say are are. are stand on testament to his own work. work. Uh, As I say, and the fact that he had spent, I think, a couple of years going round shooting these locations, um, we didn't have the time to do that kind of find completely different castles. And I don't think we would have done. We did visit, you know, quite a number of them that were different from what he'd done. And they just...
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it just begs the question of what would have happened if you'd been signed on from the beginning to explore the Sleeve. Perhaps the title might have led led you down a different direction. But I also feel like the record itself was recorded in a castle, effectively, Slaying Castle. And the fact that the sound is kind of represented with a castle is probably... Probably no coincidence. Yeah, and it, it, there might have
1: also been a different um, thinking about what the title meant. It, you might have explored it in a different way, but given the timescale, we didn't really have the time to do that. But anyway, it, it, at the end of the day, I still think the cover stands up for what it is. Uh, I think it ca- captures the mood of what we were doing in in the big way. And, and and the regret is that it, you know, that Simon felt that way. I mean, basically, I think also uh, as a, as an end, a postscript from talking to Paul afterwards. Um, I think he th- like a lot of people. In in that world, thought there was a huge amount of money um, involved in this. That you know, you, you do a shoot for a big rock band, and you're going to be you know set up for the rest of your life, kind of thing.
0: Do, do you know was Simon Morrison credited on later releases of that that album? Or no, because not, the,
1: settlement, the, the settlement the settlement was yeah. done. I had nothing to do with the legal yes. settlement. Yeah. It was completely out of my hands. Uh, I was just you know from my own. Personal creative standpoint, I was just, I was just sad that that it had come to this, and and that um, and the band wanted to stick with the idea. We could have scrapped the idea and said, "Well, let's you know put the release back and let's do a totally different cover or whatever." Yeah. But he, he he got paid, and I think that was considered uh, legally and written in contract. You know, that was it, uh, end of story. You, yeah. You've been paid for 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 your a grievance, but we you know we we carry on with what yeah. we're doing, you know. <laughs>
0: So maybe now we can move away from the cover image itself which I'd like to define as a mix of historical and other worldliness bringing us into this kind of um, dreamlike state but also steeped in something historical. So that brings me to the the purple, the magenta, the kind of royal, the royal regal colour that frame the image and of course your use of the the pinstripe gold. Um, do you want to talk a bit about the colour scheme and the colour choices? Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, uh, there, there, there's another tale as well in, in that um, uh, I think somebody told me that um, Dave Robertson, who was involved with Stiff Records,
0: mm-hmm.
1: was was uh, working in, in to some degree with Island Records at the time or whatever. But anyway, the original mock-up um, had a textured card that I that I bought I wanted to actually to actually to feel the card to actually sort of emboss the card each side of the picture and um the only piece of card that I could fine, that had the right texture, was more or less a dramatic red. And I had sent that over to the band with a colour scheme, of the actual an actual sample of the, of the colour that I wanted it to be. Yeah. But when the record company saw the mock-up, they said, oh great, they're going, you know, they really understand the mark- need for marketing, this, this really vibrant, Bold, uh, yeah. you know, colour. And the band said, no, 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 no. Look mm-hmm. at the sample we sent you. That's what the colour we wanted it to yeah. be. Um, and also I wanted to use the gold. It was regal in a sense that the colours were almost like uh pope uh mm. robes kind of kind of kind of aspect to it i wanted there to be a certain feel to that 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 um was not over the top in the color but the the gold and this color set up a certain tone for the the color that was mm. used in the in the infrared and that's really what what i wanted to do um and, and again uh around the world if you look at at, at copies of the album as it came out it varied hugely depending on the printer and where where it was done it went from sort of that somber color to something a lot more bright and pinky in 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 some colors so it was uh yeah slightly slightly tricky to to kind of control it across the world
0: and it 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 does it whilst we i think as i say open up a new chapter well i mean let's let's just say unforgettable fire and joshua tree are are the perfect companion pieces to each other aesthetically there's still due to the pinstripe, the widescreen, you know we we're still throwing a little bit of a arm back to to the earlier covers. It is to me worth mentioning the cinematic um descriptor because this becomes much more prevalent on Joshua tree but I think to 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 unpack what that that means. To do with the texture and, and the narrative implied in the music and the and the like, is the quote unquote widescreen aesthetic and widescreen feeling, which yeah. which is it's slightly undefinable in a sense. It's not that it's like music for a film or but it's music that's evocative of, of, of a, a heightened sense of reality, I think. Yeah. Which is well cinematic. I think the,
1: the the key word is widescreen rather than cinematic. I think widescreen yeah. sort of meant that they had expanded their horizons musically. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and to take in, and, and, and that had a lot to do with Lanois and Brian Eno, uh, to, to, to bring this vision that, and take it from mm-hmm. where it was into something much, much, much wider um, and deeper. And I think that's what they wanted to, to achieve. And that's why I felt when I, when I listened to the music, um, we were trying to achieve that. And obviously, as you say, the borders were not as as, be, as big and obvious as they were when it came to to, to Joshua Tree, but it still had that, that feel um well, I, I
0: wonder uh, I think I probably posed this this question about um maybe October as well which which I think unfortunately had the had the the border removed for later releases but I imagine that you know I think we're coming into the era of CD and but square format is still is still the 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 thing and most popular releases at that time I'm sure were filling that square frame with an image a square image and of course when it comes to to actual film stock, you have your square frame medium format and then you have your um you know eight by six thirty five mil film stock so and it seems like anton was comfortable shooting both medium format and thirty five yeah but it seems like you're exploring territory that possibly wasn't really explored by 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 allowing there to be so much negative space and that negative space becomes. the 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 visual identity of of these these, this record and the following record that it's it it it, it, it's not just about the 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 so-called widescreen cinematic aesthetic it's also about the negative space
1: yeah that's there And, and and don't forget that as we as you alluded to there that the the key album release format at that stage, was twelve inch vinyl. It wasn't the CD was kind of a new mm. thing coming out, and that, and that uh you know, and as we said before, we, it it ended up being uh, a strange situation with Joshua Tree, where 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 we um we did a different cover for the CD than we did for the vinyl, and also yeah. for the cassette, just to 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 try and utilize those formats to the best thing, and then when the vinyl disappeared from the from the record industry's sort of ar- arsenal for a while that um, you ended up with the cover that was not really intended to be the main cover, being the cover. So we had to go back and, and correct it. Yeah. Um. But, you know, the, the small version, of the, the the CD version of The Unforgettable Fire still has that strength of the borders being there and, and your eye being drawn to the picture in the centre, you know.
0: Well, and also in the images themselves, the band are relatively baked in or baked into the grain, they're they're small feet, they're not foreground, they're kinda of in the environment.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, I think that's that's the discovery of that picture. When you look at that picture, you may you may not even at first realize that they're in there. You know, and it's and also
0: then, is that is on the front cover, is that uh it's is that Bono and Edge on the front?
1: Bono and edge are on the front cover, and then yeah. if you, when you put when you pulled out the inner sleeve, yeah. uh, this, you had another photograph of the same location with um, Adam and Larry in the picture.
0: Mm-hmm. And that wasn't was was there a discussion about gatefold on this one?
1: Uh, no, for some again, I think possibly because the, the the the, I mean, I think it was probably mentioned, it was talked about probably at the time, but I don't think they had time. Gatefold takes
0: longer. Were you to, were you maybe do. pushing the budget because of the textured paper you were looking
1: at? Well, we never got the textured no. paper in the okay. in the end. I mean, um, I had, and then when we didn't have textured paper, I was kind of hoping that we would have a a, a sort of a varnish mm-hmm. on the picture and and the non varnished for the for the yeah. borders. And I don't think that happened yeah. either. I think that the our production time scale um, to meet the release date was so quick that they didn't have yeah. time to do those kind of finesses it had to be what it was at the, at, the, at the end of
0: the day um and on the rear of the of the sleeve you have a particularly widescreen image that's that is it actually looks to me to be an anamorphic image is that is that shot on an anamorphic camera or is it no no i think that cropped? was shot
1: on i think that was yeah is heavily cropped i think that we although uh anton and i were 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 talking about it but yes it was it was more of a cropping than 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 anything else
0: and what you're staring at is basically the 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 precursor to the joshua tree as well it's 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 very much informing what happens next yes
1: it's as you say it's the first of of a of a movement into that direction
0: and the other thing that really ties this this album together with with the next and we'll we'll talk about this more in the joshua tree episode episode is it an episode? I guess it is an episode. It's the gold? Um, and I, th- you know, you have the, the the. mentioned this already in the sense that the gold and the and the burgundy. What 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 would you call that color? Would you call it purple? Are you are, are you? Do you have a particular description? No, I,
1: I, well, burgundy was probably uh, what we were aiming yeah. for. You yeah. know, in ter- in terms of of, of, a, of a, a color scheme, so that's really what we were trying to do. But yeah, you, and and you have the gold pinstripe. Was, Again. Yes, we have the we have yeah. the top. It's bordered top and bottom mm-hmm. of the picture with with a with, with gold border. Um, you know, I mean, at, at one point, um, the, the merchandising company we were working with. Um, we're talking about the fact that we were doing a tour program, we were doing this album cover, and we were doing T-shirts. And he said, "You know, we have camp- we have used up all the gold ink in America at this point in time mm. on this campaign because we, mm-hmm. we had to get it all in. So there wasn't. And of course, gold ink is 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 varies from from printer to printer. Yeah. Some can some can look quite." strong others other times it looked very dull because there was very little gold and it was more like a a brown rather than gold
0: strange thing i find about this release the physical release is that it seems to have aged very well i mean in a physical sense if you look at the original copies there's a little bit of the gold is slightly faded or kind of burnt or baked into the um the the burgundy um and there's an overall kind of soft feel and this is why I, i i actually Thought that you did go for a textured paper because there is something about the way that that p- texture has come through in that paper. Uh, whether well, it's
1: just. We, 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 we uh, Requested that we print it on the reverse side of the paper.
0: Okay, so it is a yeah, very kind of matte um, texture Yeah, agreement. so you, yeah. when you,
1: the, the standard boards that you had, we couldn't get a special board or special paper. The, the lead in time to order a very special paper, um, which used to, as a designer, used to frustrate me because I was looking at, at, at covers done by people like 4AD and 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 uh, Vaughan Oliver and where you know textured papers and things like that were used, you know, and it, it was explained to me that that's fine for a limited release where you kind of are yeah. releasing a thousand copies, but when you have you're hoping for a huge sales, two hundred fifty thousand or or you know half a million or, or cup, cup, copies, and you need to do it worldwide, and therefore you need to have the reorder capacity very very quick that the best we could do was take take the standard one of the standard boards that they printed album covers on and turn it around yeah. And the one side is kind of more glossy and and and, and the other side is softer and, and absorbs the ink a lot more yeah um, and that's what we wanted to use for and that's what we did use for for the, for the cover
0: yeah and i think that's really successful and I, and again it is a curiosity that that when you pick up an old original copy like if you look at the reissues from 2008 um, still a beautiful cover, but it just feels slightly too clean or something. Slightly gloss, I mean, you know the, the the box that was released, the kind of box set yes. special edition. There's a, there's obviously different paper stock, and it's got a kind of a bit of more of a gloss. It doesn't feel quite as connected or something. I don't know. I mean, the I, I, other no. I thing as well as I look at the inner bag, which is the same layout, um, black. It's got like a grey border, uh, a beautiful Anton portrait with the band out of focus and the castle in the background. Looking at that. And looking at the cover, I mean the cover does feel to me the cover image feels to me to have a an Irish an Irish kind of mysticism in there. But the back feels like it has that Irish mysticism, but it takes it somewhere else. And it to me it's at that image on the back that, that does relate it to the idea of wartime tragedy or the images mm. of her Hiroshima. Well, and,
1: essentially what i was trying to do and i'm i'm not a calligrapher i wanted to get an element of um almost a, 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 a subtle reference to japanese calligraphy mm. um and again given more time i would love to have got a a, a japanese calligrapher to actually hand letter the unforgettable fire mm. um properly well,
0: possibly but i think also there's a uh, if if i if i can say a naivety to that hand lettering I, I
1: basically what I did was I I um, with a pencil and a brush mm-hmm. I I I based it on a typeface first of mm-hmm. all uh, mm-hmm. I found an old typeface in a not very old type book mm-hmm. and I laid it out and I began to, to pencil letter it to get it and then I laid a piece of tracing paper over. The, the the pencil letters and then did it basically in one go. It was just like I just t- took each letter and 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 uh, I did several versions of the letter in pencil. Then when as I got one that I liked, I laid the tracing paper over and then used the letter that I felt was closest to what I wanted
0: yeah. for it. So it's it's based around something. And um, would would we find something that's that you would notice? noticeably say. Oh, that's what it's based on. Or yes, you could. Yeah,
1: I think it's called. Uh, B O L I D E. Something I I I can double check it, but it came from a very old type book. Yeah. Because uh, the thing that a lot of people don't realize uh, these days is that uh, when we were doing these sleeves and these sleeves were all done on 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 boards, they weren't um, done on a computer. They everything was laid out on a board uh, so that you did it that way. Um, the, the what you could get in terms of typefaces was very very limited. Yeah. Um and that's why I'd, I used to notice with the four a d sleeves that that a lot of the type that that Von Oliver used came from old type books It was done in the camera and it's done in the dark room. You sort of cut the letters out, stuck them down the board, and then re-photographed them and in some cases, what he did was and we did a couple of times in, on some some work is you underexposed it, so you got all the joins and all the bets showing up to, to to give it a bit more of an interesting look um yeah. because you just simply couldn't get. You know, now the world of typography is is wide open. You can get millions of typefaces out there. If yeah. You go looking for them, but we couldn't. We the, what the the typesetters had was very very limited, and on occasion you had to go to a typesetter in the UK or whatever and order a particular typeface to to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the way it was done. It was done on galley prints. The the, the type would would arrive in on the sheets of of white paper with with the lyrics and the credits and things like that, and they were stuck down onto the board. Um, if memory serves me, right, I haven't got it in front of me right now, but I think the inner sleeve of the album, the the Japanese influence was also uh, mirrored by the fact I think the typography runs downwards on the back cover
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, rather than across, you know, in a, in a way that Japanese writing was often done that way. But yeah, no, it was it was it was uh, very. Much, I mean, you know, there's so many I- angles. We did even talk about possibly ha- having something from the, you know the exhibition. As as a, maybe as a cover, but I felt that was f- so specific um, that it, it was you know it was just t- like the thinking about the war cover you tie it into yeah. one particular location one one
0: one. Well, you don't want to be literal about it, and I don't think that you're ever literal. No, I,
1: I just I yeah, I just wanted you know I mean you could take the, the, the take the approach as we discussed that the unforgettable fire might be about the spirit that mm. they had as a band mm. internally, you know. And and building on that flame to to to
0: be created. So the band were obviously involved in in this process. What you were presenting at the end of the day had been obviously approved by them. How did the label receive receive this? And when it was when it was pushed in to be? Um, I'm not 100 sure. I
1: I don't think because again things were done. I think this was couriered over to the final artwork. I don't think. Um, I I was ever went over with the the artwork Mm -hmm. to talk to them I think it was simply um, because of that antagonistic approach that might have resulted they simply uh, probably didn't have the time to me to go over over there the boards were all drawn up and
0: and, the grievances that you'd experienced in the past if they did occur this time you weren't aware of them
1: I wasn't aware of them, and I don't ever recall anybody in the label coming to me and saying, "Well, you did a great job," or "That looks fantastic," mm-hmm. whatever,
0: whatever, whatever way it
1: was. But I think that probably uh, set the nail in the in the coffin of them taking yeah. over and doing doing anything. And I think also what what was realised at that point in time when we got to the Unforgettable Fire was that we needed to control every aspect of what was being done. So in the past, the various you know, like the American Rec Company or whatever, would start to produce posters and things of like that, and the band wouldn't like them or wouldn't approve them so everything at that point was beginning to sort of come back and say you need to design the press ads you need to design the posters you need to even if it was just a template even if it was a, a simple sketch to say this is where the type goes this is where the picture goes this is where the typography goes
0: so this sets the standard for how things w- work in the future um with a few ex- exceptions of course but i'm i'm also wondering uh, what the situation was with the single releases of which i think there was only two on unforgettable fire the um, Pride release and then yeah. I think the Unforgettable Fire single release. Did you have in- involvement in those? No. No.
1: No. Again, they they didn't refer back to me. I think probably there's a little bit of resentment and, and they went ahead and did these without any reference to me. And again, I think they were kind of pushing to saying, well, we had, don't have the time. You know, we've done something up here. And okay, it's, it's it works fine. It's a Martin Luther King picture. And, 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 but no, I, I wasn't consulted at that point. When, when it came to the Unforgettable Fire. We had more or less established control, and then all the singles were done as part of the package. You know, we knew what we wanted to do for the singles, so that whole that all followed through.
0: But you were you were involved on the actual single of Unforgettable Fire and a sort of homecoming, um, with this kind of split, uh, for four split portraits. I
1: designed it, mm-hmm. but the images were by Brian Eno.
0: Yeah, it says on utusongs.com songs. dot that the uh, the the photographs were by Declan Quinn, taken from video portraits by Brian Eno. Yeah. So Brian Eno was obviously getting more involved than just um, a producer, engineer, and yeah, yeah, collaborator. yeah. He, yeah no, so
1: they were just handed they were just handed to me as images, um, yeah. and I did the, the split screen effect with it. You know, and and and, yeah. and again, the black and gold, almost pre what's going to happen with the Joshua Tree, you know, so it's kind of like a...
0: Yeah, and it actually, funnily enough, the liner note, liner notes do say designed by Steve Averill slash U2, and this says realization by the Creative Department Limited Dublin. So yeah. it's kind of, it's, it's slightly unremarkable in a sense, but it does feel like it's part of the same stone that's rolling down the road towards Joshua Tree. Yeah,
1: yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, again, that was another... Um, Another angle that was talked about at one point afterwards rather than beforehand that uh, you know if had there been a long long lead time to this, I think Brian Eno would like to have been involved I did have conversations with Brian um, at yeah. the time about um just talked sat down in one one evening and talked about ideas him and me what he you know and he was kind of like slightly off the wall i think uh, his suggestion at one point for the unforgettable fire was a waving field of, of, of corn yeah um, so i think he just wanted to get visually involved as well and then eventually just sort of said well i've got enough going on here trying to keep get the music going so
0: well it's uh, funny uh we're going sort of backwards on the timeline but i do i do recall the story about you know's um arrival to or introduction to to you to being somewhat reluctant and I know you had mentioned that you might you might have floated floated his name in the past, but mm. when they had a pro, approached him to produce this album that he had been living with or working with Lamois at the time, and his intention was to to, to come and meet them, but then to bring Lamois and say here I can't do, it, but here's the next. And best he thing. ended up yeah. being so interested in the demos and the and the and the vibe and their pr- kind of persistence and obstinence that he ended working with them.
1: Yes, and they and, and, and they were they were to be fair very open, you mm. know, to people. I mean, uh, again, not a very little known fact. We had a meeting here, um, in in in. I am not sure if it was a or Port Mark. Probably Malahide at that point. Mm. Um, and we were talking about producers, and this was probably like twelve o'clock at night or whatever. Mm. We were just sort of going, playing things and doing things, and I just said, "Look, what about somebody like Brian Eno?" Um, and so I went into my collection and I had a, a an album called Lucky Leaf and the Longships, which was basically um, Bob Calvert from Hawkwind was, was the vocalist. Of that. But the album was produced by Brian Eno. Yeah. So I played them about four tracks from the album and they were rock tracks. They were sort mm. of, you know, he- heavily guitars and things like that. And they suddenly said, oh. That's a possibility. Um, yeah, that's interesting. You know, and well, I, I think the conversation and me playing them the Lucky League, was just a seed of an idea that this person mm. would be a possi- po- possible. Because if I had, a, I, I, I had Talking Heads albums, and I probably would have played them because I think mm. they would, they would have been aware of Talking Heads, but they certainly weren't aware of of them at that stage. And the funny thing was when I, I did have a conversation not that long ago, maybe a few a few years ago, with Brian, and I said, you know, this was, you know, something that that. I had played them and the whole thing and I ended up actually giving him my copy of Lucky League because he said you know he no longer had the vinyl oh, okay. copy copy we of the get album. get that back. <laughs> so no I just gave it to him as a present because I said he, he said yeah. I didn't he didn't have it and he probably couldn't get it so I said I, the next time I saw him I, I gave him
0: a copy. Well that's of the in album. but that is interesting though and it, we're going way off the topic but it, but that I wonder at the time mm. The Talking Heads were, at, you know, at their best. Um, with you know producing them, that w- he probably wasn't again kind of known as such because David Byrne was such a such a personality and was probably seen as the
1: uh, well was was Bush of Ghosts done prior to that or after that? I can't remember now.
0: Uh, before, yeah, that was eighty one.
1: Because I, you know, Bush of Ghosts, I thought was a great album. Um,
0: well, it's actually it it is funny just that we draw that. That into the or pull that into the equation because that album, that's 80 eighty 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 one, was the precursor so, to sampling becoming popular. Yes,
1: Which, yes, and that, it, that was also because uh, I spoke to Ryan. I think quite influenced by Holger Zuke's, um, yeah, albums where he used radio waves, radio broadcasts yeah, as part of the music
0: thing. Concrete. But yeah. I think it's funny then just to see that because that does really show you how the trajectory of you two from rock band into into sample based. Groovy electronic rock music in uh, octon and pop was was driven by 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 Eno and once he became became comfortable, I guess. Yeah. So yeah, we've gone a little bit off the beaten track there, but still, yeah, it still is interesting. But it's, it it and it does it does um it is interesting to hear that that Eno was involved visually as well, or was trying to be involved visually in that he wasn't just the guy behind the desk. Um, yeah. Or behind the keyboard. Well, he,
1: he you know he's he's. Um a bit like Anton as well, you know, a very creative thinker and, and you know, every aspect of, of, of what what is called creativity um is something that they think about.
0: Yeah. Is there anything just while you're warmed up that you have on your mind?
1: The the crucial thing here was the timescale was so was so tight. You know, one weekend research the following weekend doing the actual three days, Friday, Saturday and Sunday, shooting the entire weekend and traveling in a large, you know, uh, camper van kind of, kind of bus with us all in, in it together and stopping at, at locations. And uh, as we always did with Anton, if we found something that was different or, you know, when we got to the location we never, we quite often didn't shoot in exactly the location that we hmm. we, we thought about originally. We kind of played around with the best we could, we could do with it, you know. And though I, don't, I don't have the contact sheets for Unforgettable Fire. I think that they're in the, the U2 archive. But I think it would be interesting to look at them again and see what else was was uh available to us from that um that location that was used on the cover
0: um i think one one word that i, I would just draw into it as well that I, it's a word that i always like to re- like to refer to and it's pastoral to me in a sense as well in 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 many different meanings of that word whether it be of of the land or um of the christian you know faith of it being a yeah a, the giving of spiritual guidance like the album it does have a slight religiosity to it that we haven't talked about um which is which is kind of interesting based yeah. on the past of the band yeah
1: well i mean certainly certainly one 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 crazy thing that's when, when we visited these locations in the very first weekend mm-hmm. we visited one place um at uh, fairly late in the evening mm-hmm. and we i think we went drove up to this kind of folly or this burnt out place and we all felt um very negative presence mm. feeling in the location and we got out of there pretty quickly and it's in and, mm. and it, it 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 reminded me then again of the the um, spirit that a location in the way that people say that the walls of certain places can record mm-hmm. what happened there you know it's somehow Yay. buried in the dna of the building and the energy is there that's really what i was what i was um digging for with the idea of 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 a location like that—that that, yeah. you know it had seen so much in its life and then had been destroyed and remained something quite magnificent. Because when you actually look at the pictures, which you can see of Moydrum Castle, yeah, in County Westmeath before the fire, it looks a pretty ordinary, yeah, large house. It doesn't have any real, uh, yeah, reason. You know that you think, wow, this is a great place. Whereas, as as it, post its fire, it has this. Um, feeling and, and, and as you say almost pastoral uh, energy that, that that makes something special
0: that has been episode 5 of U2Y for album number 4 The Unforgettable Fire next up of course is The Joshua Tree a monumental release for many reasons and a pivotal moment in YouTube's graphic output which of course we'll be diving into in great detail special thanks to Nadine Bono, Edge Larry and Adam the good folk at Universal Music if you want to follow Steve on Instagram we're posting bits and pieces from his archive that's instagram.com forward slash design or you can follow more bits and pieces on his website at StephenAverill.com. /u2y This episode is dedicated to the memory of Simon Marsden